Ahoy, and welcome to the Jolly Reader. I'm your host, Captain Book. Okay, Happy New Year. And uh, New Year, same old jolly, sarcastic me. But I hope you guys had a good celebration over the holidays. So New Year's resolution, let's finish A Good Girl's Guide to Murder by Holly Jackson. Part three, chapters 29 through 48, pages 259 through 387. Go back and listen to the other episodes, obviously, but I will do like a little recap. So there's like this thing Pippa wrote out about all her suspects. So I'm just going to read through it. Okay, so Max Hastings, secret older guy candidate. Andy could have ruined his friendship with Sal. Has a new photo of Andy taken at the Ivy House Inn. Bought drugs from Andy and regularly bought roofies. I don't know the long version of that word. I don't know how to say it. Girls were getting drinks spiked at calamity parties. Knew about the hit and run. Howie Bowers. Supplied Andy with drugs to sell. Possible sexual relationship? Question mark. Lived alone equals no alibi that night. Andy's car was abandoned on his road and her blood was found in the trunk. New exact location of Andy's hiding spot for burner phone and stash. And now they're gone. Jason Bell. This is Andy's dad. Was having an affair. Andy knew and Jason knew she found out. Emotionally abusive to his family. Questioned by the police in a formal interview. Left dinner party for a period of time the night she went missing. Used past tense when talking about Andy in early press conference. Nat Da Silva, bullied by Andy, the blackmail topless video, and a mysterious third victory Andy had over her. Proven to be violent, punched a girl in college, and served time for assault, left Andy a death threat in her school locker, claimed she has an alibi, and was in bed by 11, but could have snuck out later. Daniel Da Silva, which is her brother, Nat's brother, secret older guy candidate, Ivy House Inn. Andy said she had sex when she was 15 and used statutory rape claim to blackmail Nat. Andy could have ruined him by reporting the rape and destroying his new marriage. Report of drink spiking by Max, question mark, made to him and not followed up. Police officer may have had access to Andy's house and searches and could have removed evidence that led to him, burner phone, and shut down all of Robbie's questions about Sal. Wow, there's two minutes. That's like the best recap you're going to get. Things to look forward to, and I just have a wow, a lot of twists. Like, I really don't want to give it away. My least favorite thing in the world, we'll get there when we get there. And don't worry, Pip and Robbie finally kiss. This is going to be a whole thing. So, we're starting with Pippa, October 14, 2019, Capstone Project Log, Entry 31. Sal is innocent, like, for sure. So, they found that picture, obviously, from the night that... Andy went missing. So Ravi and Pip are determined to find the real killer, obviously. Pip wants to protect Naomi. So she's like, I don't want to talk to the police about the hit and run. If we find the real killer, this is how we can prove Sal's innocent without having to use the picture and the blackmail and stuff. So Ravi understands this and he agrees on a deadline. So Pip has three weeks to find the killer or they go to the police with the photo alibi evidence. That's like the deal they agreed upon. So Pip feels torn between the wards being Naomi and Kara and the Sings being Ravi and his family, obviously. She's not sure if she's is the good girl she once thought she was or if she lost her along the way. Yay, titled reference. We all know I love that. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, so they've narrowed the persons of interest lists down to five suspects. Max Hastings, Howie Bowers, Jason Bell, Nat Da Silva, and Daniel Da Silva. Another lead Pip has to 
the killer is that they knew about the hit and run. So obviously anyone that like actually was there for the hit and run could have been involved. Loose lips, sink strips, obviously. And also she says anyone could have been driving and witnessed it. Like just like one of the random people like Nat. And Daniel was an officer, so he could put a two and two, like, the accident reports together and kind of figure it out. So, Pip thinks it's Max, and I said, too easy and not enough motive. Plus, he has a pretty okay alibi compared to the others, in my opinion. Anyways, another lead is that the killer had to have the phone numbers of Max, Naomi, Millie, Jake, and Pip. I have, like, a little asterisk. I feel like the killer would only need one of their numbers to threaten them, and then Pip's, but, like, that still doesn't rule anyone out. But anyways... Chapter 29. Naomi said she only stayed friends with Max because of the horrible secret they shared between them. And she's going to stay away from Max now that Pip called them out for it. Pip gets home shortly after her family and she goes upstairs to work on her project and stuff. And she knows... Oh, gosh. Okay. She notices her bedroom door is cracked and... She's sure she shut it all the way. There's like a whole reason why she's sure because stuff happened that morning. And Pip also sees that her laptop is open and she always shuts it when she's done. Also, who doesn't? Monsters. Anyways, additionally, the papers next to her desk are jumbled with a picture of the evidence of Sal's alibi on top, which is not where she left it. So Pip turns on her computer and opens her Word document with like her capstone project log and at the end, there's just typed out in all caps, you need to stop this Pippa like hundreds of times. It's filling four pages. So then Pip asks like her parents, did anyone come over today? And the mom's like, no. And Pip's like, well, there's, this is a lie though. She says, there's been rumors that people are using spare keys to break into other people's houses. Like you, Pip, but whatever. And she suggests like, maybe we should just bring our key in just in case. So the mom's like, okay, good idea. So Pip's like, I'll go get it. So she goes downstairs to the spare key, which is under their doormat, clever, not. And the key is there just like sitting under the doormat, but it's not in line with, it's next to the original imprint of where the key was lying. Pip's having a nightmare to say the least. She ends up getting into bed with her brother, Josh, and she feels like, she would be safe if she can or he would be safe if she could watch him chapter 30 Kara and pip's relationship is a bit strange because of the whole naomi situation and they're trying to keep moving forward like nothing's wrong but Kara says am i saying that right Kara? did we ever decide whatever it's gonna be whatever i say again she says naomi is so jumpy that the dad called for her like Hey, Naomi, come get some pudding. (laughs) And she threw her phone across the room and broke it. That is jumpy. Like, wow. So they found an old phone from years ago. And it's a pay-as-you-go one that Naomi's using, like, currently. I said, that's sus. And (laughs) who just has that laying around? Like, I don't know. Weird. But anyways, I have Mr. Ward, question mark, question mark, question mark. We'll get there. All this. Try not to spoil anything, because obviously I've read it all at this point. So... Pip is walking down the hall when at school, sorry, when she sees Nat Da Silva and she asks why Nat's at the school and Nat's like, if you must know, and she's all mad and salty or whatever, she's like, my parents cut me off and no one will hire me because obviously she has a criminal record and she applied for her brother's old janitor job at the school, but the school won't hire violent offenders, obviously. So Pip's like, I'm sorry. And she's like, no, you're not and walks away. So after lunch, Pip goes to her locker and sees another printer paper note and this says, this is your final warning, Pippa. Walk away. Pippa slips it into her history book. And she, like, knows this person's trying to scare her. But she thinks that 
they would have hurt her family already if they were going to like why are you threatening me so much just like do it basically and pips in too deep and like must be getting close because this person's threatening her so she can't stop now you know so then she walks into Mr. Ward's classroom and accidentally drops her book and the note drops out and like somewhat opens and Pip picks it up all quick. And Mr. Ward's like, if you're being bullied, the worst thing you do is keep it to yourself, blah, blah, blah. And I have says the guy who covered up for Andy who was bullying Nat. And then Pip tells him like, it's fine and sits down. Pippa, October 19th, 2019, Capstone, Project Log, Entry 33. Nat is now at the top of Pip's suspect list because she was obviously at the school just hours before Pip found this note in her locker. And she has a history of slipping threatening notes into lockers because, like, we know that she slipped one into Andy's locker that they thought was from Sal. And I have, ding, Mr. Ward works at the school, but whatever, because he could totally access your locker, too. But anyways... All of the suspects have a connection with the school, except maybe Howie, and Pip wants to follow the burner phone lead. If the phone wasn't with Andy when she died, someone took it. So two people confirmed that they knew about the phone would be Howie and Max because they were buying drugs or selling drugs or whatever. And the secret older guy probably knew because they were like texting, probably you would assume on this phone. So anyways, Pip wants to ask Becca Bell the sister, Andy's sister, some more questions. And she doesn't know if Becca will talk to her, but she has to try. And I say, why don't we suspect trash can reporter as secret older guy? Because obviously he's already a older guy dating Becca, which is gross. But anyways, they're all adults now, whatever. Chapter 31. Pip goes to the Fairview Mail to talk to Becca because she's like interning there or whatever. As Pip's walking in, Stanley the trash can's walking out and Pip says she's there to see Becca and it seems like Stanley doesn't even know who Pip is or whatever. So Pip walks through the back to talk to, he's like, she's back there, whatever. I got better things to do, kid. So she goes back there to talk to Becca and there's like three other women there typing on their computers and working and Becca's writing her first piece for the newspaper. Okay, so the first piece is about this farmhouse that's been uninhabited for 11 years and I have is Andy there we'll get there so Becca says her dad almost bought the house years ago before everything happened with Andy and like the town is trying to like the neighbors are trying to buy it so they can like I think they want to put in like a pub or something anyways and Becca is against that I don't know so anyways Pippa says she needs to talk to Becca about something important, so they go into a different room, and she tells Becca that during her research, she found out that Andy was selling drugs, and Becca's like, I don't believe that. There's no way. There's no way, which I don't know why she wouldn't believe that, because her sister's a nightmare, but whatever. So Pip brings up the burner phone and asks who had access to Andy's room before, like, the police arrived, and Becca says she wasn't asleep. She was downstairs watching TV, but, like, no one broke in, and then Pip asks if Becca knows max and she's like well kind of because that was sal's friend but like not really i don't know why i said friend like that so anyways she asked becca if she knows daniel da silva and becca tells pip that daniel was a close friend of her dad or is still currently i guess daniel worked for the dad for a while before he applied to be a police officer but after he worked for the school and becca says she doesn't know if they're still close because she doesn't speak to her dad i don't know i guess maybe i just assume they still are but Becca also says that Daniel was the first responding officer when the dad reported Andy missing. So Daniel and another policewoman took their statements and ended like they do the primary search. So he could have like obviously got the phone if he knew where it was. Becca asks why Pip is asking about this because we know Sal killed Andy and Pip says, I'm not so sure Sal did it and I think I'm getting close to proving it. 
Pippa, October 22nd, 2019, Capstone, Project Log 34. Apparently, Becca asked Pip to leave, <laughs> clearly. But Pip realizes that Daniel and Jason, that's the that's Becca's dad, knew each other. And Daniel had access to Andy's room, which first went missing, which is what I just said. So he could have taken the burner phone. Pip does some Google searching, but doesn't find anything interesting about Daniel. She does find that there's a local neighborhood meeting where the police officers are at like the town hall. So she's like, oh, I can go talk to him there. Chapter 32. Pip's sitting in the town hall meeting and Daniel's one of the officers there and Stanley the trash can's also in the audience asking news questions and Daniel refers to him as Stan which to me says they know each other because that's super casual but they could just know each other through their line of work or whatever. So after the meeting Pip walks up to Daniel to ask some questions and she's like asking him if he remembers any reports of drinks being spiked at house parties about five years ago and he says no which like (laughs) that's a long time by the way. I don't know. I'm not offending him because I think he's trash too. But like, ugh, I don't know. Five years. I don't know what happened five years ago. I had a one-year-old. So anyways, (laughs) she asked Daniel if he knows Max. And he says, yes, when he was a new officer, he was called to their home, like the Hastings homes, for an insurance claim because Max crashed his car into a tree, which we know is like the lie they told to cover up the real accident. Then Pip asked if he was a first responding officer when Andy went missing and if he conducted a primary search of her residence, which he says yes. And then Pip also asked if that was a conflict of interest since he was friends with the dad. And Daniel's like, no, I'm a professional and I don't like questions like this and I'm leaving, kid. So this is where things get a little hanky. So Daniel's wife, who's very pregnant, walks up and she's like, to Pip, she's like, I'm Dan's wife. How entirely unusual for me to catch him talking to a young girl. Must say you aren't his usual type. It's like, whoa, that is like really a lot to say to someone you don't even know. So Daniel's like trying to walk the wife away and she's asking, who is that girl? And he just like herds her off to the exit. So like clearly we know he is not a loyal person. That's like really, I don't know. I couldn't imagine being like that. So Pip meets Robbie across the street, like outside, and she tells him like what went down or whatever. And now basically how Daniel could have known about the hit and run and he could piece things together. And they're standing there and they see Daniel and Stanley leaving town hall in deep conversation and gesturing their hands. They spot Pip and Robbie and Robbie takes Pip's hand and is like, okay, let's go. Chapter 33. Uh, I don't want to like the next couple of chapters I don't even want to talk about this was in my things to look forward to like my least favorite thing in the world here we go chapter 33 Pip takes Barney that's a dog for a walk in the woods and lets him off his leash she's trying to distract herself from thinking about everything with Andy and stuff and she's listening to a podcast and at the end of the walk she calls for Barney and he doesn't come and then like a car flies by and she's like calling for him and she's more panicked he's not coming then she's screaming for Barney and she can't find him and I have I swear if something bad happens to this dog I will be livid I said hurt and maim all the people you want but leave the animals alone chapter 34 Pip gets home she tells her family like I can't find the dog and the dad offers to go out and help look for him for like two hours and it's getting cold and dark so they go home without finding the dog they keep telling Pip it's not her fault and he'll find his way home, etc., etc. By the way, my pets have gotten out is the most horrific, terrifying thing. I literally hate it. Like one time Waffles, the cat got out and he was out all night. I don't even know. I think he was like under our grill, but I put up like missing posters. I went out in the morning. I was calling for him. He comes up to the back door and he's like, meow. And I pick him up crying and he's like, mom, what? Like put me down. Anyways, so 
Pip feels like it's her fault because she ignored the final warning that was in her locker. Like, what if he was taken? And the next morning, the dad takes... They still don't find him, obviously. The dad takes off work, and him and Pip go into the woods to look, and the mom and brother are putting up missing posters, and they knocked on all the neighbor's doors trying to find the dog. And Pip gets a text from Robbie, and he's like, I saw the missing posters at Barney in town. Are you okay? Do you need help? But she's, like, so distraught, she doesn't even respond. And then they get home that night, and she gets a text from an unknown number that says... Want to see your dog again? Chapter 35. Kidnap her little brother. Like, leave the dog alone. So anyways, she doesn't get another text from this unknown number until 11 the next morning. So her family went out to search again around 8, and she gets the text from unknown number, and it says, read page 291, says, take your computer and any USBs or hard drives that your project is safe on. Bring them to the tennis club parking lot with you now and walk 100 paces into the trees on the right side. Do not tell anyone and come alone. If you follow these instructions, you will get your dog back. So like any of us, Pip runs downstairs with all her stuff and goes to the tennis clubs. Eh, Clubs? No, just the club. And she walks out 100 paces and there's nothing there. And a minute later, she gets a text. Destroy everything and leave it there and do not tell anyone what you know. No more questions about Andy. This is finished now. That's what the text says. So she completely destroys her laptop and her USB drives and it's like freaking out, like throwing them against trees and stuff. And she waits for a half hour and doesn't get any messages or any sign of Barney or anything. And she sits in the parking lot for a while because she thinks maybe like Barney will show up and then she goes home because he doesn't. And the dad asks where she was and she's like, oh, I went to the cafe to work on my essay. Lies. And she says someone stole her laptop because she has explained why she doesn't have it, obviously. And she's upstairs just writing manually, like, by hand her essay. And there's a knock on her door. And her dad's like, someone just found Barney. And she asks, like, why he doesn't seem happy. And the dad says, because Barney drowned, someone found him in the river. This is horrible. But the text did say you get your dog back. Just didn't say alive. But Pip obviously flips out and says, it's not fair. I'm so sorry. But her parents don't understand, like, why she's blaming herself so much. But she knows it's because of her. And I'm crying and I hate it. And this was horrible. And like, why? Why did we have to do this? I don't appreciate it. Chapter 36. They buried the dog the next day and Pip took the day off school. And I said, I really honestly don't want to talk about it. Like, oh, that was so hard to read. So anyways, Ravi comes over to check on her. And it's a classic Moulin Rouge situation. And if you have like no idea what I'm talking about, she has to hurt him to keep him safe. So she's like, I'm not doing this project anymore. And Ravi's like trying to talk her out of it. And she's like, no, I'm done. I destroyed everything. I destroyed the printout photo. My laptop was stolen. I don't want to do this anymore. And Ravi's like mad. And he's like, my brother was innocent and you got rid of the small bit of evidence we had. And she's like, sorry. And Ravi's like, no, I'm sorry for thinking you were someone you clearly not. You're just a kid, a cruel one like Andy Bell. And then he leaves. And Pip's like, sobbing because Ravi hates her but she knows like he'll be safe like they killed her dog she doesn't want them going after Ravi or like her family anymore so she's like I have to be done with this chapter 37 so the next day someone knocks on the door it's Ravi his mom made food for the family because the dog died and he also asked if he can talk to Pip so Pip's like uh I have no idea why you came back because we just got in this huge fight I thought you'd never talk to me again So Ravi says he thought about it all night and there's only one reason he can think of why she would like quit the project and it's because someone took Barney and threatened you, isn't it? And he like figures it out or whatever and Pip confirms this and shows him the threatening messages and the little note she got while camping and all that. 
And she says she's still done because there's too much to lose. Like, people could actually get hurt. Like, this person's a murderer. So, anyways, she says that Sal deserves to be proven innocent. And she actually didn't destroy the photo. She still has it. But they can't take it to the police because someone's watching them. And, like, the police might think they doctored it. Like, it's just not enough information. So, Robbie wants to find the killer themselves. And Pip says, like, they murdered my dog. And Robbie's like, well, they murdered my brother. So, what are we going to do about it? And she's like, whoever this killer is, well, no, we haven't stopped. And Robbie's like, we're not going to talk to anyone else on the list. And only her and Robbie will know that they're still working on the project. Also, Robbie brings her his laptop and says it's hers until they're done with all this. And Pip's like, I haven't lost all the research because I already emailed everything to myself just in case. Like, I've been doing it this whole time. So basically, they decided to solve this double homicide, triple Barney counts, if you ask me. So Ravi and Pip print out everything from her capstone project log planner and they look at it and they decide to make a murder board with the red string and everything. And in the middle of this, she gets a call from a number she doesn't know. She's filled with dread, but she answers it and it's Naomi because Naomi smashed her phone. So she's using this temporary one. So obviously Pip wouldn't have her number. So she's calling because her friend that studies English at Columbia, blah, 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 wants to help her with her school interview, blah, 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 trying to get in college stuff whatever so unknown number dot 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 naomi claims to be at a friend's house that weekend so like she couldn't have taken the dog supposedly i don't know why we believe that but here we are so pip and robbie go back to the suspects list and they're trying to focus on the definites not the babies so they land on max who's had access to naomi millie and jake's phone number and his own and pips obviously i have naomi had access to all that too but whatever also nat and howie have pip's number because she called them, obviously, and trash can reporter for that matter. Daniel is connected to Andy's dad and Max because of the car crash. Max also knows Howie because of Andy's drug dealing, obviously. And Max would have known Nat from school because they would have gone to school at the same time. Everyone is all indirectly connected to each other, starting with Howie at one end and ending with Jason Bell at the other. Ravi says maybe all five of them were in together. So we'll see chapter 38 pips at school and miss morgan that's her like capstone person is like you can't change your topic this late and pips just like okay she just like walks away so when she gets home she's looking up the ivy house in and had emailed people who left reviews around the time that she thinks andy was there but hasn't heard back from them she never hears back from them anyways ravi is working on the phone number that's scribbled out in andy's planner and Oh, jeez. Okay. So Pip opens up her phone to call the Ivy house in because she's going to like try to ask more questions. And she notices in her recent call log the unknown number from Naomi. And then she pulls out the page from Andy's school planner with the scribbled out phone number. And Naomi's temporary number wasn't one of the nine combinations that Pip came up with, but it very nearly was because Pip thought the second to last number was a seven, one, or nine. But maybe it was just a loopy four making it Naomi's burner phone number whatever so pretty much lays out what i said earlier naomi knew about the hit and run she has everyone's phone numbers she could have snuck out and intercepted andy pip realizes she's received another note in her locker so she wants to see if naomi sent it because she rigged up the printer last episode maybe two episodes ago anyways chapter 39 so the chapter starts with pip stepping back from naomi's knife They're carving pumpkins for Halloween. Like, we still have a ton of the book left. So, 
Kara's looking around for Butterfingers again, and she can't find them. And she's like, I know Dad just bought these. Where are my Butterfingers? So anyways, Pip casually asks Naomi when her phone will be fixed, and Naomi's like, tomorrow or whatever. And then Kara's like, oh, lucky Dad had a spare pay-as-you-go sim lying around or whatever. And Pip's like freaking out because it's the Dad's sim card, not Naomi's old one. So that would mean Mr. Ward's number was the scribbled at one in Andy's planner. I've been telling you guys this for two episodes. So anyways, Pip tells the girls that she wants spooky Halloween music while carving. So she's like, Cara, can I go get your laptop? And she's like, sure, whatever. So Pip gets the laptop, goes into Mr. Ward's study, because that's where the printer is, I guess. Freddie Prince Jr. Anyways, the note in her locker was on October 18th. So she's like scrolling through the printer history. And on October 17th at 11.40 p.m., there's an unsaved Word document that was printed from Elliot's computer. That's the dad. So she clicks the restart option, which I guess prints it again. I didn't even know you could do that. I actually asked Josh about it. He's like, yeah, this is totally plausible. So anyways, the printer spits out a piece of paper that says, this is your final warning, Pippa. Walk away. So we know that Elliot put it in her locker. Chapter 40. So Elliot Ward, the dad, was unknown or like whatever and secret older guy so elliot was the killer of andy sal and barney this is all according to pip so she thinks about the time she bumped into him in his classroom and the note fell out of her book and he asked her like if she's being bullied and it's like wow that was all fake because he put the freaking note in my locker so then Kara calls for pip like you've been taking forever whatever and pip's like well i'm not feeling well i think i'm gonna go home and Kara's like well we're gonna watch blair rich and even dad agreed to watch blah 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 and pip asks like well where is your dad tutoring and Kara's like no you know he has tutoring monday wednesday and friday but tonight he had some meeting or whatever so pip wonder why he does tutoring because apparently they're loaded he doesn't need the extra money so the girl says like i don't know i just think he likes it and he started tutoring just over five years ago sus so Pip hears his car pull up and she's like, oh God, I gotta go. So the dad, Elliot, walks into the kitchen with a bag of candy and says, hi, Pip. And it's really awkward because like she knows. If you see me on TikTok, she knows. She knows. Okay, anyways. Chapter 41. When Pip gets home, her parents are ready to take Harry Potter or Josh trick-or-treating or whatever. And Josh, her little brother, is like, Accio Candy, which is just fantastic because, okay, my family, we're, we love Harry Potter. I'm actually in the middle of a Harry Potter Lego set. That's what I've been doing over the holidays. Anyways, Pip says she's going to stay home to work on her essay and give out candy. So when the family leaves, she texts Ravi and tells him to come over to her house now. And Pip explains like the Mr. Ward situation that I just talked about. And Pip says he didn't have an alibi for that night because Naomi was at Max's house and Kara was staying the night at Pip's house. And also he called in sick from work the day Sal died. So this is getting super suspicious. Elliot could be the secret older guy, which I've been saying forever. Blah, duh. And Andy could ruin him because he's a teacher. It's illegal, etc. Ravi asks how Mr. Ward, Elliot, whatever, would have known about the hit and run. So there's still like some gaps. And... I'm thinking like more people are involved, like the police officer or the trash can reporter, whatever. We'll get there. Anyways, no spoilers. So they want to try to prove that Elliot's involved, obviously. So Pip brings up that he tutors three times a week, but what if he's not really tutoring? So Pip also mentions the missing Butterfingers, which I've talked about a couple times, which makes her jump to the conclusion that the dad is holding Andy captive and feeding her. And I said, maybe not captive, maybe willingly hiding her. Like if they had a relationship, like it's awfully nice to bring your captive butterfingers. Anyways, 
What? Pick a better candy, Twix. Anyways, <clears throat> I digress. So Ravi and Pip come up with a plan and they set up the like find a friend's app on your phone so like he can see where Pip's phone is from his phone or whatever. And Pip's going to find a way to leave her phone in Mr. Ward's car so they'll see where he's going. Then trick-or-treaters knock on the door and Pip's handing out candy and the parents like of the kids are whispering and looking angrily at Ravi behind her because they're trash, whatever. (laughs) Chapter 42. So Pip fakes a sprained ankle. It's a whole thing. But long story short, she gets a ride home from Kara and Mr. Ward from school and she sneaks her phone under the seat of the car. This is like one of those times where it's like, just read the book because you feel like the intensity of her trying to sneak it. But just for like my purposes, like she did it successfully, put it under the car seat in the back whatever so anyways pip's mom's home which pip like in her lie to get a ride home said oh my mom's working later whatever so she just like tells mr ward oh sorry i should have checked maybe like her meeting got canceled whatever so pip tells her mom that robbie is going to come over and help her work on her essay for college and the mom like basically calls her out for liking him she's like remember to keep your bedroom door open (laughs) so anyways Ravi comes over and they track Pip's phone in Mr. Ward's car and they follow it. That takes a while, et cetera, et cetera. He ends up on Gravel Send Road. So that means nothing to us. But Pip notes that this is where Kara and the Wards used to live before they moved to the town they're at now. But she doesn't know the house number. She doesn't remember. So she's going to ask Kara at some point because she's like, thinks maybe he's going to the old house they had. So Ravi holds Pip's hands like, we're going to end this tomorrow. Because she has to submit her essay tonight. And Mr. Ward isn't going to ruin this for her either. Like getting into college. That's also like a whole thing in the book I kind of left out. She's like has to write this essay for like college entry. But she's distracted by this whole case. So anyways. She goes. She starts her essay. And she's like talking about how she's a really good student. Blah, blah, blah. But it's really out of fear. And maybe that's why her senior capstone project this year. She decided to solve a murder. Because she's awesome. Chapter 43. Get excited. We're getting to it. Okay. So Pip and all her friends were watching the carnival be set up. Some notable information is Pip got her essay submitted on time. Kara says that Naomi's been writing in her diary a lot, which is what her therapist told her to do after her mom died. So, like, obviously she's going through some traumatic feelings. Aunt and Lauren, if you even remember from a million years ago, they finally hooked up. Whatever. Just tidbit. Pip asks Kara the house they used to live in, and Kara gives her the house number, and... It's like the same house that they tracked the dad to. And Pip's like, oh, does your dad still go there? Because they used to rent out the house. And Kara's like, oh, no, he sold it a couple of years ago after mom died. But Pip knows that's the house he was going to. So that can't be true or whatever, you know. So Pip's mom is ready to pick her up. She sends her a text. She's like, I'm in the parking lot. So as she's going to the parking lot, Pip runs into Mr. Ward on the way back. And it's all stressful or whatever. And he asks her where... Kara is because he has to go by Target tonight or something to go pick something up so he's going to drop her off at home so like she knows Pip knows that he's leaving town like she thinks he's going to go back to this house so Pip runs for the car and she gets home she texts Robbie and says I'll see you after dinner but that's a lie and she types in the address to this house and her GPS and that's how that chapter ends chapter 44 okay there's a lot to unpack this next chapter is going to take 10 and a half years buckle dicey belts Pip pulls up to Gravesend Road, and she calls 911, and they're like, whatever. Long story short, she's like, I'm Pip. There's this guy named Elliot. He kidnapped this girl named Andy. You need to send police. He also uh, murdered Sal, and you need to call the detective on that case. And I think Andy's alive inside, so I'm going in. And the operator's like, uh, don't do that. And Pip's like, no, I have to. Bye. So 
She knocks on the door and Mr. Ward answers. Uh, so weird. So she says, like, please are on their way so you can explain it to me now so I can tell Kara and Naomi. And he's like, oh, it's finally over or whatever. So they go inside and he spills the tea. So here we go. Hold your butts. He says it was late February and Andy started paying attention to him. He didn't teach her, but she would follow him around asking about his day. And he was lonely because his wife passed. Like, what a poor guy, right? So she wanted his phone number and he's like, no, that would be inappropriate. But still, he went out and got a SIM card to talk to her, but he only had it at night so his girls wouldn't catch him. By the way, she is, Andy is the same age as his oldest daughter. Let's just like keep that in mind. So Andy suggests that they meet somewhere like a hotel and... He's like, that's madness. But then he books a hotel room and then he has to cancel last minute because Kara has chicken pox and he's like supposedly tried to end things. And then Andy asks again to like meet up. And so he books somewhere else, which ended up being the Ivy house. So they stay there for a couple hours and he confirms that they did have sex, but he couldn't like stay the night because he has his two kids. Andy was only 17 at the time, so disgusting. Let's just like make sure we all remember how gross this is. And he tries to call it off, but she threatened to turn him in, obviously. And she told him one day, I guess, she goes up to him and he's like, she's like, I hid a picture of me naked in your classroom, so you better find it before someone else does, which we know Max found that topless photo or whatever. Then apparently Elliot and... Andy hooked up again at the Ivy house like another time and he thought Andy would just like grow tired of him. I don't know. Like he's not super reliable narrator. So anyways, then lucky him, he finds out about that cyberbullying and he set it up so it'd be like mutual self-destruction. So she could have him arrested, but he could have her expelled and ruin her future. So they were at like a stalemate and she knew it. So the Friday Andy disappeared, Elliot was alone. Oh, yeah, because the girls were staying the night, sleepovers, whatever. And Andy shows up to his house around 10. This is all according to him. And she's super mad. And she said the only reason she even touched him was so he could help her get into Yale like he did with Sal, which is just... I don't like how that was phrased. So anyways, she's screaming that she needed to get away from home and Fairview. And he's like trying to calm her down. I'm guessing her anger, by the way, is because Sal's like trying to break up with her and she was trying to go to Yale to be with Sal and then like she hooked up with her teacher for that and that was like pointless. I don't know. Anyways, so he's trying to calm her down and she knew how to hurt him because he confided in her whatever. So she starts destroying these paintings that his wife painted while the mom was dying or whatever, the wife. And Elliot pushed Andy so she would like stop and she falls backwards and hits her head on the desk. Because, you know, he's all innocent, creeper, whatever. So she's on the floor and her head's bleeding, but she's conscious, and but she's also confused. And he went to go get a first aid kit. And when he comes back, she's gone. And her phone was left on the floor during the scuffle. And he said he never saw Andy's car, so he assumed she walked. The next day, he heard that she was missing. And that weekend, he started panic because he's like, oh, crap, did I kill her? And then she wandered off with a head wound and died from her injuries. Like, this is all going to lead back to me and I'm going to be screwed. So he needed to protect himself and his girls because he's just a nice, great dad. I hope you can hear the sarcasm just slathered in my voice. Anyways, Pip's not here for his excuses, so don't worry. She's telling him off throughout all this. So then Elliot knew about the hit and run because Naomi wrote about it in her diary and he had to read her diaries to make sure his little girl wasn't going to hurt herself. So anyways, so he sends that text to them blackmailing them and then he calls in sick to school and waited outside 
until he saw Sal in the parking lot. And then he's like, Sal's all distraught because Andy's missing. And Elliot's like, let's go back to your house and talk about the disappearance. So Elliot's like, I was going to use a knife from the Sing's house, but then I found some sleeping pills and I thought that'd be a nicer way to murder this child. Like what in the heck? So he gives Sal three sleeping pills and says, oh, it's for your headache. And then convinces him to like go look in the woods for Andy. And he being Elliot has a pocket knife with him and they're like in the woods and he holds it up to Sal's neck and he's like makes him swallow more pills and he's like I'm helping you you won't look like a suspect if it looks like you've been attacked so Sal swallows more pills and then he like begins to struggle so Elliot pins him down and forces him to take more pills so Sal starts to get sleepy and Elliot holds him and told him about Yale and how beautiful it is so Sal could fall asleep thinking of something good. What a nice murderer. I hope my murderer is that nice. So then when Sal's unconscious, he puts a bag over his head and holds his hand till he dies. Like, holy mac and cheese. Then Elliot sends the confession text from Sal's phone to Sal's dad and he had dried blood from his desk from when Andy hit her head and put it under Sal's fingernails and left Andy's phone there. So... Jeez. Time passes. Elliot realizes he made a mistake because Andy's not found, obviously. Her car turns up with blood in the trunk and he panics because he thought it was fatal and it wasn't. And then he frames Sal. If Andy's still alive, he framed him for nothing. So that would all like come back to him. At the end of July, Elliot's driving home and he sees Andy walking on the side of the main road. She looked messed up on drugs and he couldn't return her home, obviously, because she would like tell everything. So he had just put this house that they're in now up for sale so he took it off the market and explained to Andy like I'm gonna keep you here so whatever just go with it I guess so she says she wanted to get away from everything like that night she went missing so she went to a friend who's involved in drugs but didn't feel safe there so tried to come home or she was trying to come home like currently when Elliot found her so Pip assumes she's talking about how he's the friend or whatever so Pip asks Elliot where she is, and he says she's locked in the attic and the key's like sitting on the counter. So Elliot says he made it nice for her up there and let her pick out wallpaper, blah, blah, blah. Like I said, great. He's a real nice murderer, real polite. So he also says he hasn't touched her since the Ivy house, and Andy's like a different person now, and she's just grateful and whatever. So he goes to this house three times a week to cook for her, and they watch TV together. Man, I hope if I get abducted, like, I get a TV and wallpaper. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so Pip hears the police coming from outside. And she tells Elliot, like, when the police interrogate him, do not talk about the hit and run and taking away Sal's alibi because you need to protect Kara and Naomi, blah, blah, blah. So Pip says, you threatened me and my family and broke my house. And Elliot's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then Pip's like, you killed Barney. And Elliot's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't dot, 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 police interrupt. So the police come in and Mr. Ward says, you're here to arrest me for the abduction and false imprisonment of Andy Bell. And <laughs> Pip's like, and the murder of Sal Singh. Let's like not forget that. So while the police are trying to like arrange everything, call for backup, et cetera, et cetera, Pip grabs the key and runs upstairs to the attic. The police are shouting for her, but she doesn't care. She goes up the ladder and locks the padlock to the attic, sitting on the bed in pajamas that match both Kara and Naomi's, which is just gross, eating Butterfingers. She's staring at Pip. And Pip says, hi, I'm Pip. And she says, hi, I'm Andy. And the last line of the chapter is, but she wasn't. <laughs> chapter 45. I told you, this is crazy. So Pip looks at, quote unquote, Andy. And 
she can see the obvious differences between Andy and this person. And she says, you're not Andy. As the police officers climb the ladder and like, whatever, get her out of the house. So she's outside and she sees Mr. Ward handcuffed, being escorted out. And she wonders if he really believed that girl was Andy and how could he have clung to that belief like this whole time. So Ravi shows up and asks if she's okay. And she's like, how did you know where I was? And he's like, the find a friend app. Duh. So Ravi's relieved because Sal was murdered and he was innocent and now everyone will know in town. They can like show their faces again, whatever. So they're like theorizing about why he thought this girl was Andy. So he's like, maybe Mr. Ward was terrified that she was like alive and he would go down for Sal's murder. So in his heightened state of fear, he took like a blonde girl who looks similar to Andy and convinced himself that he would be like safe now. So Pip wonders what happens to the real Andy after she left the Ward's house and Pip's driving Ravi back to town or whatever. And they're stopped at a light and they see the Bell family sitting in their car and Jason's face is red and he's crying and he's shouting and smacking the wheel in anger. And Don, that's mom. She's just like shrinking beside him, crying and confused and in agony. And then Becca's in the backseat staring blankly out the window. And as they drive past, Becca sees Pip with like a flick of recognition with something heavy, urgent and something like dread in her eyes. So we'll get to that. So Ravi wonders if the bells have been told and Pip's like, well, it looks like they have. Maybe like Andy's family has to go formally identify that this is not the real Andy. And then I said, I think Becca knows it couldn't possibly be Andy already. Maybe the dad murdered. There's more to this. That was my theory. Chapter 46. Pip's home and she tells her parents everything and she sends a text to Kara, which I will read on page 358. I should be calling to tell you this, but I don't think I could get through it. Not with your voice at the other end. This is the coward's way out, and I'm so sorry. Your dad was the one who killed Sal, Kara. He was keeping a girl he thought was Andy Bell in your old house in New Canaan, and he was just arrested. Naomi will be safe, though, I promise. I know why he did it. When you're ready to hear it, I'm so sorry. I wish I could save you from this. I love you. So Ravi and his parents then like come over and they're thanking Pip and they're hugging and crying. They can like show their face in town or whatever. And they talk about the carnival and Pip's parents invite Ravi's parents to meet them at this carnival. And Ravi pulls Pip aside and asks her like, why are you so quiet? Like what's going on? And she's still concerned about Andy. Like what happened to her after she left? Like she still disappeared, you know? And Ravi says like, it's not your job anymore. Police are opening the investigation. Just let it go. Chapter 47. So Pip's supposed to be getting ready for the carnival, but instead she's looking at the murder board. So Mr. Ward said that Andy was at his house around 10, but Pip's like, he has to be off because Becca said she left the house at 1030 and Andy's car passed by a camera at 1040. So that was confirmed by like undisputable evidence. But then Pip realizes that Mr. Ward said Andy didn't drive to his house. He thought she walked, which is totally plausible location wise. So then... How would Andy's car be picked up on surveillance without her going home and Becca seeing the head wound? So Pip concludes that there are two killers, one who thought he killed Andy and then murdered Sal to cover it up, which we know is Mr. Ward, and another who actually killed her. So Pip realizes that Mr. Ward was confused about killing Barney, which I brought up like he obviously didn't. Anyways, and Pip looks around at the notes and the threats and the unknown text messages or whatever. And she realizes it's written by two different people because the ones from Mr. Ward call her Pippa and the other ones from Unknown call her cursed names, which I won't say because it's a clean podcast. So Pip's family is about to leave for the carnival and Pip says like, I'll meet you guys there and they leave whatever. Pip's still frustrated because there's too many suspects. 
She rules out Jason Bell, which I'm not sure I agree with this, but she says he was in the car crying, angry, and confused. She didn't think he faked his reaction. The truth was in another person's face. She knew who the killer was, but she had to confirm one last thing. So she calls Max and she tells him, like, you better tell the truth. Answer my question or I'll go to the police about the hit and run because, like, I got nothing to lose here, buddy. So she asked Max if at a calamity party if he drugged and raped Becca Bell and he says no. And Pip's like, don't you dare lie to me. You put a roofie in her drink and you had sex with her, didn't you? And Max is like, uh, yes, but it wasn't rape. She didn't say no, which, okay, like, I don't even know if I need to, like, pause to say this, but uh, that's rape, okay? Just because she didn't say no. Like, he drugged her. Like, this is non-disputable. So Pip agrees with me and she's screaming, calling him a vile rapist and that he has no idea what he's done. And she hangs up the phone. Don't worry, he gets his. So the last person to see Andy alive had to have been Becca. So Pip had made a decision. Chapter 48. Buckle up for round two. <laughs> Pip drives over to Becca's house and they're all friendly. And she's like, I was just checking on you, Becca, back, back, whatever. So Becca says she's making tea and asks Pip to come in. Like, so they can talk or whatever. Then, super suspiciously, Becca leaves the room to get a tissue. I'm just saying, like, when I was reading it, I thought that. So anyways, Pip asks if she knows who the girl that was, like, abducted by Mr. Ward was. And Becca says, like, I'm assuming the police told them this, that she's a 23-year-old with a learning disability. She came from an abusive home and has a history of running away and possessing drugs. And she lived, like, in this attic so long that she really does believe she's Andy. So Pip says, I saw your parents' faces, the hope that maybe it really was Andy, but you already knew it wasn't, didn't you? And Pip's like, you killed her, didn't you? And Becca is like so stunned at this point. She's like not even saying anything. So Pip's like, in March 2014, you went to a calamity party with your friend Jess, which this is like, I think last episode we interviewed that girl and she was like talking about, Becca wanted me to go get the morning after pill, but she never told me who she slept with, bubble up. So Pip's like, something happened. You were roofied and assaulted by Max and you did nothing wrong and you have nothing to be ashamed of, but like, that's not how you felt at the time. Totally agree. So this would explain Becca's suicide attempt was related to this situation. So Becca realized someone had drugged her. So she started looking around, trying to figure out who, and this is how she found out Andy was selling roofies to Max because she found the burner phone and the stash of drugs etc etc so becca thought when andy came home she could tell her like everything and it would be okay and like andy would be a good big sister and be like it's over like you're a victim in all this etc etc so andy did come home with a head injury but becca says she didn't know at the time like she didn't see this head injury and becca told andy what happened about the party and everything and andy's like you can't tell anyone else because i don't want to get in trouble and becca's like what and Andy's like, you should be grateful that someone actually wanted to be with you because you're just a fat, ugly version of me. Like, what in the heck? That's like, ugh, Andy sucks. So anyways, the sisters start shoving each other. Andy falls backwards on the floor. And her mouth's full of blood and she's coughing and choking on it. And Becca just like froze. And she said she knew that Andy was dying but did nothing. So like for five years, Becca thought she caused a head injury. She, like she didn't realize that she had that ahead of time. So anyways... Since they did struggle, there's like scratch marks and stuff. She thought everything would lead back to her. So she puts Annie in the trunk of her car. She says she doesn't know how she found the strength to do it all. And it's all blur now or whatever. But she cleaned up the house. And the security camera that picked up Andy's car at 1040 was really Becca driving Andy's car. And then 
Well, this... I have some things to say in lingering questions. Anyways, Becca goes to that farmhouse that she's doing the report on that the neighbors want to buy or whatever. And she doesn't want them to buy it because she put Andy's body in the septic tank. So also, like, side note, which you just have to read for yourself, this whole time Pip's head is getting heavier and fuzzier with thoughts of, you know, what that means. Like, it's pretty obvious. Like, we'll get there. So anyways, Becca looks through Andy's second phone to figure out who the dealer was and, like, where he lived. So that's why she dumped the car on his street to make it look like he was guilty. I'm wondering why not leave the burner phone so the police could find it and know she was selling drugs. Like, how would they even know that? But anyways... Then Pip interviewed Stanley, the reporter, and he told Becca, so she panicked, and she tried to figure out who the secret older guy was, and she went to the Ivy Inn house, and that's why that old woman thought she saw Andy recently, not five years ago, because it's like supposedly like very similar. So Becca says she watched Pip go follow the drug dealer and go to his house, and she wanted to make Pip stop. So Pip's like, um, you, you killed my dog? Like, when the heck? So Becca says, she didn't mean to. It was dark. I let him go. He must have gotten confused and fallen in the river. I'm not buying it. Ugh. So anyways, Pip says she wants to forgive her, like forgive Becca, and that's why she came. She goes, I want you to know it's not fair what happened to you. So leave, get out of the country and find a new life for yourself. So the table is like rippling and Pip's eyes are feeling heavy. And Pip realizes that Becca put something in her tea. So Becca says she found a few of Max's pills left in Andy's hiding place, which like you just kept those for five years in case you needed to drug someone. Like I'm confused. But anyways, Pip stumbles to the sink and makes herself throw up. But Becca's like now chasing Pip and they're like, it's all written from Pip's perspective. So things like don't make full sense or they're just like jumping from place to place because her memories are like fuzzy or whatever. But they're out in the woods and Becca gets Pip on the ground and Pip's like, I was trying to help you. And she like gets to her feet and runs away. And then Pip smashes to the ground again. And Becca's sitting on top of her, wrapping her fingers around Pip's neck. Becca says at the top of page 378, I wish someone like you had been there for me. All I had was Andy. She was my only escape from my dad. She was my only hope after Max and she didn't care. Maybe she never had. Now I'm stuck in this thing and there's no way out except this. I don't want to do this. I'm sorry. So Pip struggling to breathe. Then she feels Becca let go of her and Becca's like, I can't do it. Nice. So anyways, then Pip hears her dad shouting and Ravi's there too. And Pip's like, I got roofied. Becca let Andy die. She's in a septic tank, whatever. And Ravi's like, I found you in the find a friend things. Like it's all going to be okay. And then Pip goes unconscious. Two months later. So Pip and Ravi are behind this stage because Pip's going to do this presentation on her pro- capstone project because the town wants to make it this like whole thing. Just like side note, Kara and Naomi are still like close with Pip. They're all good, whatever. And then Ravi and Pip are obviously together because they kiss before she goes on to her presentation. Thank goodness. So Pip starts her presentation and she sees Stanley in the audience. That's the trash can reporter and wonders about him and the other names on her persons of interest list. And she says Fairview still has unturned stones and unanswered questions so pip says that she couldn't imagine that this project would end up with four people in handcuffs so i'll just go down the list elliot ward pled guilty to first degree murder of sal and kidnapping in the first degree his sentencing is next week becca will face trial later this year for the charges of criminally negligent homicide illegal disposal of a dead body and tampering with evidence Max Hastings has been charged with four counts of sexual assault and two counts of rape and will also be tried later this year. 
and Howie Bowers has pled guilty to the charge of possession with intent to sell. Okay. So Pip continues saying a handful of people carry the blame. She's like saying this to the whole audience. Carry the blame for what happened the night that Andy died, including Elliot, Howard, Max, Becca, Jason, and Andy herself. Like totally just calling him out. So anyways, Andy was straight up bully and she sold drugs. Pip's saying all this to the whole town and she showed no compassion to her sister. Andy grew up being taught by her father that the only father by her father that the only value she had was the way she looked and then Pip introduces Ravi and thanks him for all his help and then Ravi gets on stage and talks about how his brother was such a good kind person and selfless etc etc so Pip ends this whole book well the whole speech too there's one final player in this story Fairview and it's us collectively we've turned a beautiful life into a myth of a monster we've turned a family home into a ghost house and from now on we must do better any questions I have some lingering questions slash theories because hello. So (laughs) my main question is how did a 16-year-old with an eating disorder, being Becca, drag her sister's dead body into a septic tank? I want to know the like semantics of that because aren't, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Feel free to message me. Aren't septic tanks underground as well? And like wouldn't a decomposing body mess up the water for like the neighbors? I'm not really sure how that works. Anyways, I, oh, I just want to add to, like, they did find Annie's body where Becca said it was. So, like, she had some knowledge. Like, that's not like a plot hole. So, my theory is I think Becca called her dad when Andy died and he left the party to help Becca put this body in the septic tank. And I'm thinking, like, maybe he had that police officer, uh, I can't think of his name, whatever, set off the alarm at the building because he used to work there and they're friends or whatever. And the book leaves it, like, open-ended for a reason, like, for us to figure it out. Plus, there's three other books, but I don't think they're, like, super related to this. Anyways, my next question is, is Mr. Ward that reliable of a narrator? Like, he clearly took someone that isn't Andy. (laughs) Like, I don't know how much I believe, like, his full story. And then, like, also I wonder how reliable Becca is because I don't believe that she just let the dog go and it got lost and drowned. Like, Pip walked this dog off a leash in the woods every day. Plus... Becca's clearly a cat person because she has that pet cat. It's talked about like a bunch. Also, like maybe my psycho brain says, couldn't Becca just been like, hey, Pip, I found your dog wandering around. Like, it's just me, Becca. I'm not even a suspect. Like, here's your dog. You know what I mean? Like, so that's all I got. I would love to hear what you think. This was a long book. It was awesome. I think you should read it, really. There's a lot of stuff that you just have to read for yourself. So next time, we're going to cover Good Girl, Bad Blood, which is a sequel to this book by Holly Jackson. And I will read the inside cover in typical dramatic fashion. Pip is not a detective anymore. With the help of Ravi Singh, she released a true crime podcast about the murder case they solved together last year. Though the podcast went viral, Pip insists that her sleuthing days are behind her. But when someone she knows goes missing and the police won't do anything, do anything... (laughs) Pip has no choice but to investigate. Jamie Reynolds disappeared on the very same night the town hosted a memorial for the six-year anniversary of the deaths of Andy Bell and Sal Singh. It has to be more than a coincidence. To track Jamie down, Pip follows a trail of clues uncovering more of her town's dark secrets along the way, dot, 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 and this time everyone is listening. But will she find him before it's too late? Totally thought Jamie was a girl. Sorry about that. Anyways... In closing, thanks for listening. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at the Jolly Reader Podcast. Subscribe so you get notifications when new episodes are posted. 
If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review because it helps other crewmates find this podcast. As your New Year's resolution, I think you should share, 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 share this, please, and thank you. If you like secondhand embarrassment, stay tuned for the outtakes, and I will talk to you next time for Good Girl, Bad Blood by Holly Jackson. Until we sail again, this has been The Jolly Reader. Bon voyage. Hey, you made it to the outtakes. Let's do it. Testing. There's a snowstorm right now, so that's weird. Nally and my mom are downstairs, so we'll see if I can actually get through this. <laughs> Let's do it. So, my dogs are being crazy. So, apparently Pippa, or Pippa, did you sneeze? Get out of here, Patchy. Patchy's sneezing at me. So, anyways, um, so, Ravi and Pip print out, print, and she obviously is like, I just heard Allie screaming, blah, 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 Mimi. I think they're okay. Anyways, so this is your finding war night. War, this is your finding that. So Robbie's phone. Oh, that was my next note, but I already explained it. Anyways, and Elliot Reed. Lee, blah, blah, blah. I am Allie. You were with me to my mom. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.